Welcome back to the BT Powerhouse Podcast. My name is Thomas Bendit. It is Tuesday, June 6, 2017. I, I'm on the road today. Uh, last a few of the recent podcasts have been on the road, but again, I'm, I'm on the road, so you can probably hear my car uh, moving in the background. But, you know, we had some big news over the last 24 hours or so that I, I wanted to touch on. This will be just sort of a reaction podcast. There's not going to be any super in-depth analysis on this one, but I wanted to react to the big news in the college basketball landscape and the Big Ten, and that was Ohio State deciding to move on from head coach Thad Mata. After 13 years with the program, Mata will be will no longer be the head coach for the Buckeyes, and the program will be moving on to someone else. Let Let's start with you know how this thing sort of developed. Um, so let Let's you know again. Moving back, big picture stuff, you know, when does this start? So I, I would say, you know, in the, what was it, 2013, that was the year Ohio State won, I want to say they won the Big Ten Tournament, they won the Big Ten Tournament and they made the Elite Eight. That was the year they had Deshaun Thompson, they had, not Thompson, Thomas, excuse me, uh, Aaron Kraft. After, but after uh, Sollinger was already gone. But that, w- that was the Big Ten. A lot of people view that as the best year of Big Ten basketball in modern history. The Buckeyes were at the top of the line. I mean, Thad Mata's resume at that point is just awesome. I mean, there, there's no getting around it. I mean, numerous Big Ten titles, two Final Four trips. Uh, he's coming off two straight trips to the Elite Eight. I mean, it, it sort of speaks for itself at that point. The next year, the team comes back. Thomas leaves, and there's some regression. You know, you can see the team has taken a step back, but they're still pretty good. They still make the NCAA tournament pretty comfortably. Aaron Kraft is probably the team's best player, but you you can sort of see, okay, this team is not as strong as it was the year before. You know, where, where are we sort of heading? They... As I mentioned, Ohio State makes the NCAA tournament in that year. That's 2014. That's the year they get an upset by Dayton in the round of 64, which which is a crushing loss for a multitude of reasons, but certainly not to be topped by the fact, you know, Ohio State getting beat by a small in-state school in the NCAA tournament. That That's a pretty big blow. So at that point, okay, well, you know, Aaron Kraft, he's going to be moving on. Some of these other guys are exiting the program. We'll sort of re- retool, and this is going to be the next era of Ohio State basketball under Thad Mata. They do get D'Angelo Russell, who is, I mean, you can make a pretty strong argument since Sollinger is Thad Mata's best individual player, probably his best NBA player prospect in a long time. I mean, he might even be, he's probably, yeah, he's a better prospect than Sollinger, I would say. Um, So I I think you can make a a great case that certainly since that Mike Conley team, D'Angelo Russell could be Ohio State's best NBA prospect they get in. He he obviously blows up. He gets the All-American status, um, runner-up for Big Ten Player of the Year, according to most people behind Frank Kaminsky. 
Ohio State makes the NCAA tournament that year, but they do have to sweat it a bit. They're not a very safe <laughs> selection. They they do make it ultimately in relatively comfortable position. You know, they don't have the fans don't have to sweat out selection Sunday that much, but they do make it. They beat VCU in the round of 64 in overtime, but they fall in the round of 32. So, I mean, at, at this point, you know, you take a step back and you realize, okay, we move from Final Four to Elite Eight to round of 64, round of 32. But the win totals are, are reeling back. The quality of the team does not seem to be improving. And the recruiting is is in an interesting position. That's That's what I would say at this point. Because this brings us to the... What the 2004? No, the 2015-16 season, I believe. Yes, 2015-16. And the reason that this is important is, at, at this point, Ohio State has made eight of nine NCAA tournaments. They have two Final Fours during that run. As I mentioned, even more Elite Eights and Sweet Sixteen appearances. And they have the Big Ten's top recruiting class for 2015 loaded with four-star talent, loaded with top 100 guys. And uh, the class is top five nationally. And really, you know, sitting back in the back seat, at this point, okay, have there been some sort of cracks in the foundation? Yes. There's no debating that if you're a Buckeye fan, you have to be concerned by the fact that you went from a top five level to sort of a top 10 level to sort of a top, 30-ish level, top 40-ish level, but you're bringing in a great recruiting class. You do have some key players coming back, but as we all know, that 2015 class does not work out. Almost no one contributes early, and of the guys who do, they transfer out. They, I mean, at this point, there are no members of that class left with the program over the next two years, but Ohio State makes the NIT, in 2016, they make it to the second round. They get knocked out. Not obviously, not really that close to making the NCAA tournament that season. And this is when I, I think the pressure starts to heat up with Mata. You notice that things do not appear to be trending in the right direction. Each year, things seem to be getting progressively worse. The 2015 class is a massive dud, and this is when the recruiting really starts to fall off. And again, Ohio State has has never recruited terribly under Thad Mata, but they certainly are have dropped off in the last couple of years from that 2015 level and certainly from, you know, the Mike Conley, Greg Oden, that that type of level, you know, Jared Sollinger, those type of guys. And obviously, you know, last year easily Mata's weakest team in quite some time. You could make a very strong argument. It might be his weakest since, I want to say, his, his first year, maybe his second year. But it's it's not a strong team. I mean, they go 17 and 15. They don't even make the NIT. And, and frankly, I don't even know how close they were to making the NIT. I, I don't think that team was all that competitive. They stole a couple games at the end of the season that I, I don't really think they had much business winning, to be honest. And 
the ultimate crushing blow is they lose to Rutgers the end of the season. So this this sort of sets our scene. And I, I'm I'm sorry for going into this this rambling uh, dissertation here about the progression of Ohio State over the last five years or so, but it's important to set the table. So what we see is a program that was you know absolutely dominant for about nine years or so. I mean, you can make a very strong argument, Ohio State over that nine-year span ending in D'Angelo Russell's last season was easily a top 10 national resume, maybe even better than that. They didn't have a national title. They didn't make, you know, five Final Fours or something, but consistent NCAA tournament appearances, consistent high win totals, you know, numerous deep runs, plenty of Big Ten titles during that run. You you would be hard-pressed to me to find 10 programs in the country during that nine-year span that have more on their resume than Ohio State did. I mean, going in the Big Ten, um, Michigan State probably did. Indiana certainly didn't. Um, Wisconsin, I don't, I don't think Wisconsin did, not in that run. You know, maybe you can get into a little bit of an argument with the end when they made those back-to-back Final Fours, but I don't think Wisconsin had a better resume during that nine-year run. They were close, certainly, but I I think Ohio State had a better one than them, and I I don't think any other team in the Big Ten had a better resume than that other than Michigan State and maybe Wisconsin, depending on how you value some of these, you know, Big Ten title versus Sweet 16, etc., but... As I said, I, I truly believe Ohio State had a top ten resume during that nine year run. And you know, maybe maybe that's kind of a, a weird statement to make, but that's impressive over that length of time to be at that level. And then, you know, you get the drop off now, which sort of turned people against Mata, I would say. And then, you know, you finish with such so poorly this year. And according to Ohio State Athletic Director Gene Smith, when they had uh, the press conference on Monday afternoon to announce that Mata was leaving, or at least no longer coaching in Ohio State, I, I should say, was that he sort of gave him the spring. Okay, let's see what you can do on the recruiting trail, because as I mentioned, the recruiting has dropped off recently. They had the decommitment from Basley in 2018, who really badmouthed the program. They their their last two classes i certainly you know on a personal level have not been particularly impressed with those classes i think you've seen it on the court i mean since d'angelo russell i don't think ohio state has had a big time freshman contributor i mean tate tate was all right as a freshman uh lyle showed a couple sparks but i mean you know you start with the fact guys like lyle aren't even with the program anymore and they're just there hasn't been the same freshman and sophomore contributors that there were before, and the recruiting has continued to drop off recently. So uh, you know, according to Smith, he was going to give him one last shot with with how things were trending. He was going to see if you know maybe he could land a couple guys on the roster, sort of get things in solid position to head forward. Unfortunately, obviously, that did not happen. In fact, you can make a pretty strong argument that things actually got worse. You know, they had numerous transfers. They had Lyle quit the team. They had decommitments in, or a huge decommitment in 2018. And 
I, I, I think you could see, okay, maybe the, maybe the wheels are starting to come off this thing, and that's when Smith opts to make the move. Having, having laid out this whole scenario, which, you know, Ohio State fans are going to be very familiar with this progression, you know, the, the obvious question is, okay, did they make the right move? Was, it, was this the right thing to do? Was this a little bit harsh? Was it overreactionary? Um, let me let me start with with the first. Do I think it was the right move? I will say that I think this is a bold move. <coughs> Excuse me. I, I think this is a bold move for a few reasons. The first is no matter how you break things down, Thad Mata is Ohio State's greatest or most accomplished basketball coach ever. I mean, we we can sit around and debate, you know. What was the best Ohio State team of all time for a specific season? You know, a three-year run, a five-year run. But Thad Mata's accomplishments at Ohio State speak for themselves. I mean, in 13 years, he has the most wins of all time as an Ohio State basketball coach. You know, two Final Fours, a slew of Big Ten titles. He is Ohio State's most decorated head coach ever in program history. I mean, Ohio State... You know, it's not Kentucky, it's not North Carolina, I get that. But Ohio State is not a bad basketball program historically. In fact, it's a pretty solid one. And to be the most decorated guy in program history, I think, speaks volumes. And the fact that you're going to pull the trigger on that guy is a bold move. The second part, I think, of what makes it a bold move and really is more important to me is the fact that they did this on June 5th. Now, for those who don't follow the college basketball timetable as much, this is a very, very odd time to fire a coach, unless there was some sort of off-court issue. I mean, obviously, you know, if a coach gets, uh, you know, has some sort of incident or altercation or something, you know, you may be forced to make a move in June or July or, or later on. But to voluntarily make a move at this time without much of a change in circumstances, so to speak, I think is a very, very bold move. And I'd say that for a few reasons. First off, most coaches have already settled. You know, if you look, you know, as anyone knows who follows these kind of things, you know, every year there's a group of five or six coaches who are the hot, you know, mid-major or up, up and coming coaches, so to speak. You know, Archie Miller is an example this year. Uh, the UNC Wilmington coach was a, another example. Some of these guys. Those guys have already been picked through <laughs> by by time you get to June. You know, programs have already gotten their coaches. And you may ask, okay, well, why? I mean, college basketball doesn't start till November. Pr- you know, practice doesn't start until, you know, a month or so before that. I mean, why why is it so important to get the coaches early? Well, the spring recruiting session is huge. You know, May, early June, April, those are so massive, especially in today's college basketball world where you guys, you can have guys declare for the NBA draft and come back, and you have this just uh, onslaught of transfers. It's huge to be able to recruit then. You know, you need to finish out your, your incoming freshman class. You need to get a transfer to for most programs. And you need to figure out the whole NBA draft situation. And so to wait beyond that is a huge, huge risk because a 
a coach cannot make those moves, and he certainly cannot get the guys he wants to pick during that timetable. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I would add on top of that another real, real danger, which I don't think a lot of people have talked about yet, but what if guys transfer out after you hire a new coach? I mean, right now, I, I don't want to sit here and speculate as to, you know, maybe this guy will transfer or maybe this guy, but we all know when a new head coach is hired, it is not uncommon at all for a guy or two to transfer. I mean, honestly, I would say it's kind of expected in these days that a guy or two will transfer out if you switch head coaches. And to get nailed with a transfer in June or potentially July is really, really significant. I mean, and especially for Ohio State where they are sitting right now, which is they're low on the scholarship count right now, and they've already had to try to fill a couple spots. I mean, Ohio State already needed to find some guys for next year, and if they get nailed with another transfer or two, that could be devastating to the team's chances for next year and potentially beyond that. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, I mean, I, I think the timing is, is very, very bold, but moving on to whether it was the right decision, I, I you know, CBS wrote about this, and they wrote a column, and I, I thought it was a perfect description of kind of how I felt about the modifiering. I hate it, but I understand it. I hate the fact that they would fire their most decorated coach of all time, who frankly I thought deserved another year. But I understand why. You know, when you're clearly trending back for four or five years, when you're not recruiting well, when the wheels appear to be coming off, you know, sometimes you have to make a move. And I, I think it does take a bold decision maker sometimes to see, hey, this isn't going to get fixed. This isn't going to get corrected next year. We have to make a move. And I, I will say, you know, I came out with my Big Ten power rankings a week or so ago, you know, after the the NBA draft deadline, and Ohio State was 13th on my list. I do not think they're going to be good next year, you know, barring something really, really surprising. And I, I frankly, I don't even think they're going to be that close to the NCAA tournament. So the thing is, is like, did you really want to go through the, the motions of next season when virtually everyone thinks they're not going to be that competitive? But I, I really, I really think if you just look at the resume, Mata deserved another year. But if you say, hey, you know what? I can look at this resume. I've seen how these guys played. I've talked to other coaches. And this team isn't going to be competitive next year anyway. So what's the point of waiting for him or Ohio State to fail next year? And I'm putting that in quotes, you know, at least in the, the season success, for us to make a move. I mean, why, why delay it? But... I, I think it I think it's a very bold move. I and you know, you have to worry as well. You know, I talked about the potential implications for transfers on the roster, for how it's gonna affect recruiting, but you know, if you're worried about recruiting, I, I don't think firing a coach in June is typically going to help your recruiting. I mean, if there's one thing recruits hate, it's the fact that programs will wait till they're already signed and then decide to fire their coach or cha make a change in the leadership. I mean, that is not something recruits like. And moreover, 
that is not something coaches are going to want to sign up for. I mean, look, look at, you know, someone brought this up uh, yesterday, but think about the assistant coaches. I mean, there are no openings in college basketball right now. And, and if there are, there's there's slim pickings. I mean, there are not really places for those guys to go. And the reason is, is again, the coaching carousel ended a couple weeks ago. I mean, fair or not, it, it's just reality. And the thing is, is like, if you're bringing in a new guy and he doesn't want those assistants to come back, they're going to have to sit out a year, essentially, or find some other non-college you know, assistant coach opportunity. I mean, it's a, it's a very tough spot to be in. And I, I, I think when you sit back and look at that, you can realize, wow, uh, that, that's, that's a bold, again, a bold statement to make to new coaches, you know, Hey, you want to come here? By the way, we fire coaches in the, in the middle of the summer, uh, after the coaching carousel is over. That's, that's not something that's going to attract a ton of people. So I would say, you know, my, my original reaction, my original take is I think it was a reasonable, reasonable decision. I, I don't think it was necessarily the wrong one, but it was a bold decision and there's going to be a lot of pressure on Smith because he has to nail this higher because if he doesn't, the potential negative implications of this, of this move when it was made are severe and substantial. And I, I think, you know, Ohio State could really regress back if if they miss this hire. And I know it's always important to make a good hire. I mean, we we don't need to talk about how many great programs uh, historically have struggled because they missed a coaching hire. I mean, you you can go through there's there's hundreds of them, literally. But this because of the specific circumstances of this one, I think this is a very very important hire for the Buckeyes and. They, they need to me they need to do it quick they cannot afford a, a drawn out process this time because of when they made this decision because players and other coaches are not going to like the uncertainty and they're going to want some some news one way or the other relatively soon but I and, and you know with that I, I want to sort of put a bow tie on on the reaction to Ohio State I I will say you know Mata had a great run with the Buckeyes. I know, I know the ending wasn't necessarily what fans had hoped to see, but it was still, it was still a great run. A lot of success. As I mentioned, I think during that nine year run, which, you know, we're a little dated now. We're, we're talking back to what, 2015 when it, that nine year run ended. But I think they had a top 10 national resume during that nine year run, which is really, really impressive. But, it was a great run for Ohio State, probably the greatest nine-year run in Ohio State history. I, I'd be hard-pressed to think someone could pick a better one. And now Ohio State will have to move on, which we'll have plenty more on potential candidates and ultimately who replaces Mata. But a couple of the names, you know, I posted on B, BT Powerhouse, excuse me, uh, a list of 11 names that are that are going to come up in this coaching search. You know, some more realistic than others. I, I think the primary candidates for me, I, I named four. I think you have Holtman from Butler. I think you have Chris Gent, who is an assistant on the roster. I think you have Chris Mack from Xavier. And then I think you have Mick Cronin from Cincy. Two of those guys are obviously in-state. 
well, I guess Gent is as well. <laughs> He's already coaching for the Buckeyes as an assistant. And, um, excuse me, I, I don't know why his name is slipping my, I just said it five seconds ago, but uh, Holtman, excuse me, from, from Butler, certainly a, you know, a Midwest draw, which would fit in really well with what Ohio State's looking for, at least in my opinion. So I, I think those are going to be the big names to watch. Who I would lean towards at the moment, you know, the thing, the thing about Gent, I, I would say, is a lot of people like him. He has a, a really, really long track record as an assistant. He has experience on the professional level, on the college level. He's really moved around. I, I think he's a guy you save if you miss out on your top options. And I don't want to minimize him. I mean, a perfect example is you look at Greg Gard. I mean, people said the same thing about Gard, and he's had a lot of success since he's taken over. And I, I think right now he, he would be a major commodity should he ever want to go somewhere else, which I'm, I'm not speculating on to that. I'm, I'm just trying to use him as an example here as far as what Gent could be. But I think Gent would take the job in a second if it was offered to him. And, and if he didn't, that would certainly shock me. So, I mean, the thing is, is there's no rush to move on him. I think if you miss out on some of the guys you really, really want, that's when you look at him. But I would think that, you know, Holtman, Mack, and Cronin, I think are all relatively similar hires, to be honest. They all have have shown that they can win in real college basketball leagues. They've all shown that they can build nice, reliable, consistent programs. But at the same time, these are not going to be super, super splashy hires. You know, maybe Holtman is a little bit because he's a little bit uh, younger in terms of his tenure. But, you know, you do have to sit back and realize that Ohio State probably is not going to hire a guy who's gone to multiple Final Fours. You know, they're probably not going to hire a guy with a national championship ring. You know, that kind of stuff. I mean, we could sit here and, and debate that a little bit, but that's probably reality. I mean, maybe Ohio State lucks out with someone, but it, it's probably not going to happen. They're probably going to have to hire a coach who's had a nice amount of success, but hasn't, you know, dominated by any means at, at the college level, you know, sort of a, a an upgrade from a, a smaller school. And, you know, you know, part of that, the, the big question I, I see a lot of people debating is, you know, what is the Ohio State job? Who can they go after? How big is it? How do coaches view it? This this is your ultimate test. This is when you're going to find out. Ultimately, the coaching searches are always going to be the ones where you're going to find out how valuable is your name, how badly do people want to coach at your school. And the truth for me, I think, is I, I think Ohio State is a, is a really nice job. I do not think it is the top job in the Big Ten. I don't think it's that close. I think some people are overrated a little bit. But it's a really nice job. You know, for instance, I, I wrote this in my article for Mick Cronin, the Cincinnati coach, but Ohio State is going to be a better job than any school in the AAC. And I, I'll include UConn in there. Ohio State is a bigger job. They have more money. They have more facilities. They just have so much more that they can offer to a potential head coach. But the thing is, is like, does that necessarily mean you're going to get um, 
the guy you want. No, it does not. And I, I think Ohio State's going to have to play that, that delicate balance game here where they want to go after some of these huge names, but I, I don't think they will necessarily be able to pull a guy like Sean Miller, a guy like Shaka Smart. You know, some of these names that fans would love to see, I don't think the program's quite big enough to pull in one of those guys. And that's why I think they're going to have to go with a guy like a Chris Mack, like a Mick Cronin, a guy who has had success at at this level, but isn't necessarily a world beater, so to speak, um, or at least hasn't shown he is yet. But one one wild card I, I will throw out again, and I know people were very hesitant when I brought this up for the Indiana job, but I would not overlook Chris Collins as, as an option. I, I think Ohio State, I don't expect them to seriously look at him because it's it's very, very rare for a coach to leave a job in a conference for another job in a conference. But I think that would be a really nice hire of a guy who probably is going to be in position in a year or two, assuming nothing dramatic changes, to move up, quote-unquote, to a a bigger program. And he might be a guy to jump on. I I wouldn't overlook that. But with that said... I'm I'm going to uh, cut the podcast here and and end it, but huge news in the Big Ten, something that's going to shake up this league for for years to come, I'm sure, as Ohio State opts to move on from Thad Mata to someone new. And as always, you know, keep it tuned to BT Powerhouse. You can check me out on Twitter at tbendit, and continue to follow us as we assess the developments of uh, Ohio State's coaching search and where things are headed. So with that, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We always appreciate all of you, and we'll see you next time.